Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This is DSC's Untamed Heritage. DSC's Untamed Heritage is brought to you by Dallas Safari Club. Conservation, education, protecting hunters' rights. Ruger. Rugged, reliable firearms. Hardity. Accurate, deadly, dependable. Trigicon. Brilliant aiming solutions. Burnham Brothers Calls. Calling us calls made. Texas Wildlife Association. Working for tomorrow's wildlife today. Texas Raised Hunting Products. The Scent Gods. www.trailingthehuntersmoon.com. The Hunter Conservation Website. I have an opportunity this morning to talk to Mr. Corey Mason with the DSC. Corey, there are a lot of things going on right now as far as the uh, COVID thing, and then a lot of things I want to come back and visit about some of those. But because of that, there have been some issues created regarding the importation, exportation possibly, of animals or animal parts. What What is DSC doing? And tell me a little bit more about that. That, to me, is is a kind of a scary thing when you think about it. It is. Well, Larry, thanks for the opportunity to visit this morning. I appreciate that. You know, it's unfortunate that there have been some organizations that have used uh, COVID sort of as a springboard to to attack legal wildlife trade. Uh, maybe wildlife trade is in its entirety, uh, and there are clearly, you know, illegal wildlife trade, just like there's illegal everything else, yes, and that's not necessarily what we're talking about. Uh, but some organizations are using this as an opportunity to try to address and try to find a nexus between human disease, communicable diseases, and wildlife transmission of disease to humans, trying to trace that back to maybe what they term a wet market uh, in, a, in a country in Asia, if you will, or something like that, uh, which is a local custom and a way in which food and subsidies are transferred and, and really move through local communities. And so it's a local way of life, if you will. Um, and But they're trying to put all these dots together to turn them into an, an impact and a prohibition of an impact of legal trade. Uh, and it sounds like a lot of dots to connect, but unfortunately they've already been quite effective in doing so in the sense of 
U.S. politicians that are already considering and, and introducing pieces of legislation that would prohibit uh, uh, some trade mechanisms, and some of those including legal trade. Um, and, you know, the story is told when you look at the narratives in which these organizations, and these organizations are like Center for Biological Diversity, Humane Society, Born Free, etc. They they take a picture of a of a pangolin in a in a homemade lash together you know bamboo type cage, right. and they and they show that as the face of wildlife trade. Well, that is an illegal activity. It's illegal in every sense of it, and there's really no one that would stand for that type of thing. Probably, it's certainly in the hunting community, no one would stand for that. Um, but then they use that as the poster, if you will for legal trade that is first recognized by the sovereignty of whatever country we're talking about, secondarily recognized under the authority of CITES, and then third, recognized in the import country. And so the mechanisms are already in place. The infrastructure exists to regulate legal trade, but yet we see these organizations trying to go around and circumvent those legally regulated and vetted processes to fulfill their own agenda, which would be to completely remove any trade of wildlife, legal or illegal. Interesting. I mean, I understand some of the local customs because yeah. I've been in some of the foreign countries, and, sure. and yes, they're eating things that, and I've eaten some of those <laughs> things too. Sure. Just go, man. What are the what it tastes like, and you know, a little bit yeah. of, because, because I'm trying to experience the local culture. How do you see this occurring? Like the possibility of, of saying somebody goes to to Spain. Mm-hmm. And they shoot a roe deer, and they shoot an ibex or two, maybe. And now they want to bring it back in. Do you see anything coming up very quickly, or do you think this is something that we have to be concerned about three years from now, or is it something that is an almost an immediate problem that we could have? Yeah, great question. I, I see these these organizations are trying to use a, a crisis as an opportunity, and so I think if their wills and wishes were fulfilled, it would be it would be sooner than later. Uh, and, and pieces of legislation that address in these broad brushes any disease, they use a roe deer, uh, an ungulate-type species that could potentially be susceptible to just say CWD is sort of a right. polarizing topic. Right. Um, any, any animal or something like that that could be susceptible uh, to any, any known disease like that. With some of these broad painted pieces of legislation, uh, it, could, it could be susceptible to further regulatory action uh, than already implied and imposed by CITES and those kinds of things should those species fall under those coverings. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, so I, there, there's a lot of attempts being made pretty overtly to create these large, all-encompassing type statements, you know, that, uh, that species that could have any kind of known disease or that haven't been further qualified by a regulatory agency, if it's Fish and Wildlife Service or, you know, disease control, et cetera, um, that, that there is a concern there, both in the short and the long term, because if there's any foothold that's taken now, you know, it's that one bite at a time type piece of legislation in the way they work. If they get one thing now, uh, they'll see some success and then they'll tack on more and they'll tack on more. And so that's where essentially the, the sustainable use community, and I say that in the broadest sense, has to be very firmly um, essentially convicted of the fact that CITES regulates legal trade. Right. Period. period. Yes. And the sovereignty of whatever country it is, it's the host country regulates that period. The United States government has no right nor place to overarch and overreach. It's the sovereignty of another country, period. And 
that is the kinds of things and pieces of legislation in which we must stand against because there's no place for it. Um, again, in trying to, a term I use a lot is essentially Western arrogance in which the Western world, U.S. and Europe, tries to assert its, its views of you know, morality or ways of life or livelihoods on the rest of the world. Uh, in, in an arrogant way, you know, to tell someone else that you shouldn't eat that kind of food. Well, guess what? That's what they eat, um, you know. And so who, who are we to tell someone else that that's not the way in which a market should exist in a, in a, in a different country, you know. And so, and that sounds trivial, but it's important whenever that is tied, at least through these, leg, leg, you know, regulatory ways as a nexus in which someone is saying, well, this is how the way a disease was transmitted. Well, number one, no, it's not. But then number two, uh, our right is to protect the sovereignty and the rights of U.S., you know, and we need to stay in our lane uh, in that capacity. But, yeah, there's a lot of things there in which the anti-sustainable use community, and I don't say anti-hunting because it's much more broad than that. The anti-sustainable use community is looking for a way to attack anything associated with the sustainable use of natural resources on this planet. We've got some great allies throughout the U.S. and throughout the world. Yeah. What are some of the other organizations that we may be working with or possibly are already working with with this particular issue? You bet. We do have some great organizations and partners that we have. Uh, Congressional Sportsman's Foundation based out of Washington, D.C. Uh, they are a great organization. Obviously, they have representation there in D.C. as well as across the uh, U.S. and many fronts, state capitals as well. We're working with them on this front. Uh, we're working with partners around the world as well, organizations like CIC out of Europe, uh, working with them to write joint letters associated with awareness of these things to reach a, a broad audience, you know. Uh, other organizations that are out there, Sportsman's Alliance, etc., those types of organizations um, that are getting good information uh, to elected officials to make them aware of the, the further-reaching ramifications uh, ramifications, if you will, right. than what these things are being sold on the surface as. To understand that this could have to do with uh, with, a, with a private landowner's rights, a rancher's rights in Texas, or a rancher's rights in Oklahoma, or fill in the blank, their ability to manage their property uh, and and to, to partake in the actions that are legal for them to take in could be restricted further uh, by someone that's trying to fulfill an agenda of, of you know, wildlife trade. Is, is this something that's pretty localized as far as the U.S. is concerned or North, uh, North America? Or is this also some kind of the same kind of movement happening now, I'm saying, some of the European countries? It is. It's a pretty broad movement right now. And, and these organizations are really trying to fulfill this through these large bodies, bodies such as like IUCN and CITES. And so... When, it, when something has roots in something like that, it, it's a global type effort. And, and I've, seen, uh, I've seen articles now written in a number of languages uh, trying to reach broad audiences. So, yeah, so these organizations are they're using, again, a crisis as an opportunity to fulfill their desires to, to stop wildlife trade. Uh, and irrespective of the fact and repercussions that it might have on a local community, a local village, or local people. It's really kind of scary in a way, and it's really kind of sad because, as I kind of alluded to earlier, a lot of this animal use of some really weird species maybe that put on the table, those are cultural things that have been in that area, that culture, for gosh knows how long. It is. It's exactly right, and it's it's, it's rooted in that culture and that community, you know. And, uh, I mean, who are we to, to impose and interfere in that? It's Number one, it's disrespectful, and... Number two, it's just not our place. No, it, it's not. What can we do? I mean, 
I know DSC is working, but absolutely. The, what what can we do to counteract some of these things or yep. to stop some of them before they happen? Absolutely. You know, the, the knowledge of the issue is important. Uh, right. And then the, the willingness to take information and do something with it, engagement, is equally important or probably more important, right? Uh, but the ability and willingness of someone to pick up their phone and contact their state or federal legislative uh, representative and just, you know, express their concern, um, you know, associated with walleye trade uh, that, uh, you know, that we believe we believe that legal regulated walleye trade should occur and be managed by those those oversight authorities. You know, uh, sovereign country rights, wherever the, the first point of origin is on the BNN and, and regulated by CITES, if appropriate, you know, and uh, and not introduced by pieces of legislation at nauseum that continue to creep and further decay, whatever the original intent of the bill and many of them start with good intentions. You know, they start with protecting people from yes, communicable sir. diseases. I mean, who's going to argue with that point? Right. That obviously, that's that's the pillar in which a piece of legislation is built. But then the next thing you know, this additive language and the comma and the things that follow the comma or the point B or the point C, that's when these agendas start beginning to get fulfilled because they start adding these things in that require qualifications or further government certifications or more people to be involved and and then all of a sudden the next thing you know the intent of the law was this and now it's saying this and there's other parties and stakeholders involved and there's more oversight and more regulation and the next thing you know we've lost the way there so it's being informed to start with being informed being aware of it uh and uh you know a pretty quick uh, online search right now of, of wildlife trade there'll be a lot of things that'll pop up and per- some of them will probably be imagine. so so ridiculous that people will laugh uh because there's they're just comical uh but then there'll be other things there that'll be quite informative and uh always you know we make ourselves available to anybody that would like more information uh to contact us uh, for us to let them know, hey, this is what's going on. Uh, these are the ways in which you can specifically engage if it's a state-level piece of legislation. Or right now, it's mainly at the federal level, uh, but pieces of legislation that people need to be aware of, some that are being filed and will soon be filed, uh, so that they have the, the knowledge to to contact their elected official and say, you know, this this crept outside the bounds of the original intent. And, uh, you know, I respectfully ask that you, you kind of keep it where it needs to be and make sure that we're, we're covering the intent of this to protect and safeguard resources and people. Again, who's not going to agree to that? Uh, but that we stay to the intent there and we don't, we don't have these, these pieces of legislation creep out beyond what they should. Another one of those great reasons to be a member of DSC. I mean, we need numbers, and then we can inform people through that, and then there can be that engagement of yep. individuals to their representatives, their senators, and, and, and all that becomes very important too, doesn't it? It does, yeah. You know, when someone has the takes the time and they're willing to pick up the phone and contact their, their state or our federal representative, and number one, to have a relationship and to understand that, that those federal and state representatives, they want to hear from their constituents. Yes, sir. They don't yes, want sir. to make a decision in a vacuum and then on the back end realize that they weren't represented in their constituent base. And for people to call, and I always say respectfully engage them and let them know their opinions, uh, agree or disagree, whatever the issue is. But it is an important opportunity and right that we have. And, and people, just to be very candid, very poorly participate in that opportunity. You know, they just don't take advantage of that. No, that, that's one of the things that's kind of kind of a, sticks in my craw every once in a while is yeah. people have a tendency to complain later when something happens, when they <laughs> had right. the opportunity to yep. prevent this one happening, just simply maybe by picking up a phone, sending an email, writing a personal note with a right. self, you know, with a stamped envelope <clears throat> going to this person to me sometimes. 
I know years ago, I go back to the days when you wrote people and yep. you called them, you know, before, long before email. But I, in visiting years ago with particular uh, representatives and senators here in Texas and some of the other states, that had more bearing sometimes than anything else. They, they looked at it like, hey, if this guy's got, he's going to take the time to write me a letter and yep. spend... 25 cents, 50 cents, a dollar, whatever the postage is, it, it's something that I'll be listening to. And so whenever I get the opportunity, please call people, please send them emails. And oh, by the way, send them a letter every once in a while. I mean, that'll kind of catch them off guard and they're going to read that letter because yeah. they may not see it hundreds of emails. I may have somebody yep. looking through those, but if you send that, you know, Senator so-and-so a letter with your name at the top corner on the left, chances are it's going to get through to that senator or representative to be yeah. looked at. It is. And, it, you know, it does. It makes a difference. And it's funny because, you know, we have a very active lobby and participation associated with, with bills at the state level yes, and sir. at the federal level. And we have points of contact in all of these offices, chief of staff or the senator representative proper, whatever it might be. And you make a call. And one of the first questions they're going to ask you is, are you a member of so-and-so Mr. or Mrs. District? You know, Yes. Uh, because if you're, if you're their constituent, you rank very high to them. You are a priority to them. And so that's the importance of that is if you live in said district, they want to hear from you and your voice means a lot. You know, they're going to be keeping that tally of yes and no's associated with this particular bill, whatever it might be, whatever the issue is at the time. And uh, that engagement from, you know, from the community, from a hunting community, from a sustainable use community, from a science-based wildlife management community, even more importantly, uh, for our ability and our exercising that right to contact our elected officials and let them know, again, respectfully what we think about a particular bill to either support it or oppose it and why, it goes a long ways. It does. That's one of the reasons I keep coming back to the letter. If you send a letter, yep. you have your return address, and they can look to see even where that stamp yep. was canceled, if you will. It's going to say, hey, this is one of my constituents. That's right. Exactly. Whereas yeah. with an email, you know, we can send emails to anywhere. But yep. uh, do you think it's important in some of these instances, particularly such as this, to reach out as an individual, as a member of DSC, to senators and representatives in other states? I, I do. Uh, and, and, I, and so a couple of things. So us as an organization, as DSC, we are reaching out on behalf of, of our member yes, base, our membership base. But that is not a substitute for the individual to exercise their right to do so as well. Um, and for anyone that is willing and, and activated, if you will, to reach out and talk to a, a federal representative, uh, a state level, to reach out and, and, you know, and express their concern and or support for something, if it's at another state, uh, yeah, you know, you may be discounted, if you will. If you're a resident of Oklahoma and you're, you're you know, you're calling the, the Wisconsin State House, well, they might not really care too much about right. what you have to say. But the point is, if you're reaching out to a federal legislature, they're going to care what you have to say. Yes, sir. Because at the end of the day, they are representing everybody. They represent everybody is right. Yep. Good, good. Anything along those lines that you'd like to add that we can be doing or something maybe along similarly to what's happening there that you see coming down that we need to be aware of right now? You know, I think one of the one of the most important things is a body of, you know, science-based wildlife professionals and communities like this and hunters that support that is the understanding of the need to support that community. And that community can be the engagement with congressional sportsmen, clearly the engagement with DSC those like-minded organizations and the need to know, number one, as a member of that, to know that 
we and they have staff that participate in these things. And this is what we're waking up thinking about, and this is what we go to bed thinking about every day. This is what we're here for, to support our members and in, in, in that type of, uh, of issue, if you will. Uh, and sometimes it's supporting those things that need to go forward as a yes, so it's not necessarily an issue, right? It's something we're trying to get past, if you will. But these are always rally points, if you will, for the community to understand that, yeah, maybe alone I feel like I can't necessarily impact something, but your voice is important to contact your elected official. But secondarily, collectively, with the voice of 6,500 sportsmen, 10,000, 20,000 sportsmen, we can change the outcome in a poll, that's for sure. And we've done it, uh, and we'll continue to do it. If somebody wants to get more information about what we're just discussing and some other things, some other issues, what's the best way to do it for them through DSC, whether they're a member of DSC now or hopefully they're a future member that once they click on DSC's website, they go, man, I like what's going on here. How do I become a member? What What's the best way to contact DSC? You bet. So like everybody else, obviously, we have a pretty robust website there, biggame.org. People can go and find that and find our contact information on a personal level to the office, clearly. Uh, and, uh, and then within that, uh, people can get connected to me if they have a desire to do so, or advocacy manager, we can get them there, membership, anything like that. And so that's kind of a, a nice, neat one-stop shop there to get any information they want to call the office, uh, to find out departments, if you will, within the organization about maybe upcoming events so that they can get together with kind of like-minded people to, to come out and, you know, enjoy a speaker on a, on a Thursday night, something like that, or a weekend event, go a kid fish event or things like that that we have coming up um, and uh, to just really engage with people so that they build a community around them as well uh, to, to enjoy and, you know, outdoor activities, whatever that might be. So, yeah, so, you know, really the website's probably the best best place to find us, biggame.org, uh, and then all the contact information is there to, to reach out to me personally or anybody in the office. Corey, thank you so very much. Appreciate all you do and for DSC and, of course, everything you and your staff and our membership does for wildlife and, and the continuation of wildlife into the future. Thanks, Larry. I appreciate it. DSC's Untamed Heritage is brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, conservation, education, protecting hunters' rights, Ruger, rugged, reliable firearms, Hornady, accurate, deadly, dependable, Trigicon, brilliant aiming solutions. Burnham Brothers Game Calls, Callness Calls Made. Texas Wildlife Association, working for tomorrow's wildlife today. Texas Raised Hunting Products, The Scent Gods. www.trailingthehuntersmoon.com, the Hunter Conservations' website. 